Welcome to the Aquas Podcast, conversations about regs, funds, and governance with your host, Daniel Lawler. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to this episode of the Aquas Podcast. I hope we find you all safe and well, emerging from hibernation and straight into staycation. For this episode, Shannon's going to take the hot seat and we're going to have a conversation about all of the things going on in the Equest world this week. So we've had a chat with Martina Kelly, which is one of our latest podcasts. We've produced a mock Dear CEO letter, which uh, is my anticipation of what the regulator will say as it concludes the CP86 thematic inspection. There's also work with Sam Glynn on cyber, RegTech for six-year-olds, and WWRD episodes on Wirecard and the RSA Ireland in insurance fine that was issued recently. So sit back, relax, enjoy uh, Shannon's hosting of this episode. If you are new to the podcast, do hit subscribe. It's available through all of these of the podcast channels, and uh, you'll be able to keep up to date with our latest content there. Okay, sit back, enjoy, get on with the show. So first of all, uh, Denny, I want to wish you a very happy birthday. Is that your intro, Shannon? <laughs> Daddy, my intro is following my you beat me happy up. birthday salutations. <laughs> oh, you're going to have to work on it. You're going to have to work on your intro. Was the Rioja good? Would the you prefer whiskey? Nice. No, no, I'm a wine, wine guy I'll do. Wine yeah. guy I'll do. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, very nice. Wonderful birthday this week. Don't want to dwell on it too much. Tell me a number. It's only a number. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have... Uh, been ships passing in the night for the last week or two and uh this is uh 20 minutes to catch up and talk to you about what's been going on last week and this week there's so much i'm not sure we'll even get to it all and if we do then maybe there's a few minutes to talk about what's coming next week so um does that suit you it does the joys of this sector are that uh, the regulator just keeps on giving <laughs> keeps on giving and giving so there's so much to cover and content and Elaborate. Create. Well, uh, so this week, uh, where do you want to start? WWRD? Well, there was two of them, wasn't there? Yeah, so we, so we recorded two WWRDs this week. What would the regulator do? That's uh, a little YouTube video series that we run. Um, and in one of those videos, we talked about the Wirecard scandal. Uh, what would the regulator do uh, if it was presented with a situation like uh, one of its uh, regulated firms has fallen over. And uh, next thing you at the European Commission is asking that your regulatory agency be reviewed by ESMA. That's a pretty nasty position to be in. So we did a video about that. It's a tricky one though. I think uh, it's easy to rush to judgment on things like this and assume, for example, that the regulator hasn't been up to scratch. But I'd hold judgment. Uh, I'm going to defend my regulator community, my, my ex-colleagues, not here necessarily, but just generally. Um, because if you get into the ins and outs, say, of Wirecard, only one part of that business was regulated, and the regulated part isn't the one that's had the issue. Uh, and, and so now you find commentators will say things like, well, Baffin should have been looking to see what uh, HQ was up to in Wirecard. But that's not really their, that's not their job. It's like saying if if Google had a part of their organization that was a regulated firm doing payments or something like that, should the SEC be responsible for supervising everything that Google does across the organization? No. So uh, 
I wouldn't assume that the German regulator has done a bad job on this. Wait and see what comes out of that. But that was a very interesting WWRD. And your other WWRD on sanctioning individuals. Yeah. Give me 30 seconds on what that was like. I, that's, I tell you what, that's an interesting one because it was, it was based on the sanction that uh, was imposed on an individual who had been in a senior position in RSA Insurance Ireland and was sanctioned for um, being involved in, in the firm misstating its capital requirements. And so it was sanctioned very heavily, uh, fined 100 grand reduced to 70 grand, banned for 10, 12 years reduced to eight years. So I was interested to kind of get into the mindset of that. Um, as more obligations and responsibility is placed on senior leadership in regulated firms, and as the regulatory regime tightens and makes it easier for regulators to pursue individuals, uh, it just really focuses the minds of anybody in those positions to make sure they get it right. Now, I know we're going to do a podcast soon. Yes. Uh, following up on this, because I'm interested in in what is the human behavioral element behind an individual, not necessarily in this case, but just generally making decisions, poor decisions, uh, that might benefit the company in the short term, but can be very harmful for an individual and for the company, but particularly the individual, are very personal consequences. Yeah. I'm interested in your take as a human behavior expert. Well, the spoiler alert. No, don't um, spoil, just... Uh, well, everyone's gonna know this answer. Humans, first of all, are really predictable. So it's going to be a characteristic 99% of the time. That's a spoiler alert. And I'll leave it there. Um, but you and I already know that. The audience knows that. Um, but I do look forward to exploring that human behavior and, and why do people do what they do, particularly in the workforce. Um, you had, actually, we, we had a great conversation with Martina. Martina Kelly. Yes, Martina so, Kelly. Uh, we've been waiting for Martina for how long? Six months? We didn't want to... Well, I would have had her on a podcast about two years ago, <laughs> uh, but she was still in the central bank and in the midst of yeah. policy expertise. So I guess, fair enough. She, it was a great she, conversation. It was great to have her on. So she's, yeah. she uh, retired from the central bank at the end of 2019. She's now head of funds in the Institute of Banking. Um, and it was great to catch up. Yeah. Great to reminisce. Uh, she had a career in the central bank that goes back to the early days of the funds industry here. And I just thought it was very interesting to find out what it was like when somebody rocks into the office and says, I had a great idea. Why don't we create, you know, all that, those derelict buildings <laughs> down along the Liffey and all this mass unemployment that we have and the way we could do it more uh, tax bucks in the exchequer. Why don't we set up a funds industry and a financial services industry? Because that must have come a little bit out of left field. So very interested to know Martina's take and understand some of the history. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was really good. Yeah, it was great. Um, and reg tech for six-year-olds. First uh, of all, I have heard from at least half a dozen people that your little one is like a cherub baby. Well, he gets his looks from his mother. Well, clearly. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so reg tech for six-year-olds. Great intro. Great setup. It's official. It's coming out in July. Yeah. First episode is recorded. Yeah. Uh, delighted to have Joanne Horgan, who's the Chief Innovation Officer Advisor of Software, a soup tech firm. Love it. So, I saw I, I saw the, the recording. I know it's not out yet, but I, I watched it and she's she's great. She's cool. Yeah, Loved she's it. cool. Uh, and soup tech is another name to put, another uh, acronym to put it. Which into stands the, uh, for? Supervisory technology. It's technology used by supervisory organizations like Central Bank of Ireland or the FSA or whoever. 
uh, the FCA even. So, uh, what is uh, RegTech for six-year-olds? What's the intention? I tell you what it is. It is conversations at the intersection between regulation and technology. So trying to trying to draw it out and just explain what it is that RegTech does, how it helps, how it solves problems, but for non-techies, because I'm not a techie. Uh, I understand enough about it to kind of navigate, but uh, I don't know how you code a reg tech solution. But I do know that there's some awfully interesting stuff going on. And I do know that if a firm has a problem or a pain today, throwing people at it is not the right solution. No way. It's got to be a tech Or solution. as Brian said, Brian uh, over at Raytech, people are spreadsheets. Yeah. Because if you have a thousand spreadsheets talking to each other to do something in your organization, you're just asking for uh, an invitation to step up. Well, it's it's an opportunity for human error. Yeah. And it is also costly uh, in terms of delivery and in terms of trying to keep people trained up. And, and yet change over. is um, typically so disruptive in the beginning, because if you've been operating with a thousand plus spreadsheets for the last 10 years, and myself included, and now you want me to leave what I've known to work and, and all the ins and outs of it, that it's unconsciously genius level uh, completed for me to now embrace a technology, as you say, you know enough to navigate it, but what would it take for you to learn enough about it so that it could start operating within your business to solving problems that humans have done up in, for the last X number of years? It's well, really I'm going to let you do a secret, Shannon. Go on. The financial services industry yeah. is not very proactive when it comes to change oh jesus oh, <laughs> sit down right They're, it's not very it, it tends because it's such a heavily regulated industry it tends to be quite reactive because you're always trying to catch up with whatever reactive when a gun is pointed at your head yeah, absolutely whereas if you take our tech buddies right they're they're generally not working in regulated firms they're generally much freer to create and implement and do so they see problems and they're immediately they, yeah. on track to and solve them Whereas for a regulated firm, you're, you're kind of always trying to catch up with what your latest regulatory development is. And, and it's that bit harder then to look forward and say, what's the tech solution here? What's the easiest way and, to reconcile? And what's the right time and place and budget to allocate to an initial disruption before I get to see and experience the benefit? I, yeah. I totally get it. Totally get it. But the flip side is, you know, the rule books are not getting smaller. They're only expanding and expanding. And the regulator isn't really going to give you leeway just because the rule book is a thousand pages long. If there's a rule in there you're supposed to comply with, there's a rule in there you're supposed to comply with. In fact, you've missed it because it's buried amongst thousands of pages. It's not good enough. Because um, there's tech solutions out there that will help you to, yes. to get your compliance and your risk in place. That you You've don't got it. a tech solution on rule books. We do indeed, Intelligently yes. linked up rule books. The Oppressed Link rule books, yeah. 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 Uh, which, does, which does that. It, exactly, it solves the problem of very fragmented rule books. You're trying to work through uh, level one regulations, level two, uh, central bank question and answers, ESMA questions and answers, guidance opinions. It brings it all together so that it's much more manageable and easier to navigate. I saw the note about uh, going from 10 hours down to one hour. Um, which is just a good, good business and efficient. And I can imagine if I was the one having to do all the research, um, well, my eyes would be rolling and I'd be huffing yeah. and puffing. <laughs> yeah, um, anything, to, anything to help people get to the answer quicker uh, and get to the right answer. Um, it makes sense. Uh, you have been um, hanging out with a cyber chap a lot in the last couple of weeks. 
Sam Glenn over at Code Emotion. What is going on? Oh God, I don't know if I feel better or worse <laughs> hanging out with Sam because he'll tell you the war stories about firms that get pinged with, you know, they get hijacked or uh, held to ransom by cyber hackers mm. and, and what have you. And it's pretty scary stuff. First time I heard about sextortion was uh, <laughs> in a conversation with Sam. I was, I've been schooled. And, and the other thing that I picked up was um, uh, emails, malicious emails and naive employees. Or I can't remember the percentage he added, but maybe 90% yeah. of why... He's an interesting guy. The fit hits the sham. Yeah, Sam is a great guy. He's tons of experience in cybersecurity, but it's cybersecurity for regulated firms. And so it's nice working with him because I kind of look at it from, well, what would what would the regulator think about this? How would they approach? What kind of questions would they have for the firm? If you're the firm, how do you need to interact yeah. and manage that relationship? And Sam knows and understands that, but then obviously he, he comes up from more of a, a tech side as well. Um, but the, the Cyber in 7 series is great just for getting under the hood of some of these issues. We did two this week, two episodes we recorded. One of them was about uh, who's on your speed dial for when you hit a cybersecurity incident. So uh, you log on and find the system is down and you can have to ransom <laughs> for a million Bitcoin or whatever it is. What's the, what's the plan? And at that stage, it's too late really to, well, no, let me put it another way. You don't want to be to figuring out thinking at that yes. stage about, oh, God, who does cybersecurity? <laughs> you know, who, who do I call? At that point, you want to be hitting the button, yeah. hitting the emergency, lifting the back phone, and you want to be ringing your top six um, professionals yeah. to, to kick into action the plan that you hope you'd never have to use, but at least it's that's, there. Yeah. So that was, that, that's good. Um, and what was the other one? Uh, the other one was interesting as well. It was about buy-in from HQ. So uh, sometimes you will find where you are, for example, the Irish business in an international group, that it can be hard to get the resources or commitment of course. Uh, locally for a cybersecurity project. I see this in other areas as well, but in this it was about cybersecurity. And so how you manage that relationship with HQ and uh, from both the HQ and the local perspective to make sure that you're on the same page and you're getting supported where you need to get supported. Uh, it's an issue that, I said that comes up again and again, not just in cyber. Uh, and it, I think the key relationships for the Irish business are always the regulator and HQ because they're the two that can make your life very difficult or a lot easier if they're well managed. Yeah, fair play, fair play. What else were you up to this week? Well, <laughs> CP86. CP86, <laughs> it will not go away. So obviously we've done a lot of work. Um, well, in my previous life in the central bank, I was heavily involved in CP86 and in a quest, we've done a lot of work with Manco's across a range of things CB86 related, whether it is sort of testing how good they look versus CB86 and their peers, or if they're getting ready for an inspection um, to, to manage that process, prepare and make sure they're, they're ready for a really serious and, and uh, profitable engagement with the central bank, that they get the best outcome that they can and that the central bank does too. So we've done a lot of work about that. And now as we get to what we're July, so we're into the second half of 2020, and the regulators flagged that their dear CEO letter, which is going to be the outcome of the CB86 thematic review, is on the way. Again and again, I get asked about, well, what do you think is going to be in the letter? What do you think the regulator is going to come down on? Where are they going to land on substance and all that kind of stuff? So uh, not that I had tons of time in my hand, but I did pen a mock dear CEO letter where I just kind of uh, set out what I thought 
the regulator is going to do when in it comes six to pages only six pages only six pages yeah, that was small print <laughs> small font i think the real deal will be longer i think i think the regulator's done such an amount of work i think that they have more to say on strong and weak practices i think there is how they call them now positive and weak practices and then i put in, in my mock letter but i think the point that the key points will be covering the same areas Right, and uh, you're sharing that CP86 letter with the world? Yeah, why next not? Week? Next why week? Why not? Put my head on the block. It's going to come out next week, yeah. No, fair play to you. I know um, you were somewhat uncomfortable writing it, just given the tone and the, the substance in the letter. Yeah, do you know what? I felt a bit like the Grinch who stole Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> writing it, because uh, I know that, uh, I think... Anybody close to it knows that substance is going to be addressed in the DRCO letter or in the outcome of the of the CB86 inspection. And it's and I think anybody who's following this at all knows that for mancos, particularly those authorized before July 2017, before the ESMA opinions uh, on Brexit and the three FTE uh, position, they know that they're going to need to put in more substance. There's uh, a lot of hope, I think, in the industry that there'll be a fairly substantial transition period yep. to allow management companies, including self-managed investment companies, self-managed funds, uh, to get those resources up to speed. As I said, I, personally, I don't think there will be a long transition period. So I do feel a bit like the Grinch because in my mock letter, I'm not given a long time. Well, I think, I think you're, you know, by, what am I trying to say? I guess I'm trying to say I want to applaud you for that because that's demonstrative and evidence of how much you're prepared to put your head above the parapet in order to deliver a very authentic and clear message to the industry with the intention, I imagine, that um, they're not really going to be that surprised and it'd be nice for them to have a reference piece that they can look at and mentally prepare for that letter that is coming and maybe be a little bit pro little bit proactive little bit proactive um if only to have conversations with the board at the moment in preparation for that letter so fair play to you for yeah. well i think doing what's right and not just what right. easy i think sometimes you just gotta tell people what they don't necessarily want to hear and always always you have to do that and in, in this i think i think there's not going to be a long period uh, and I think, look, and it helps to hear that now because either there's not going to be a long period and you've got some time to get your head around it and get mentally prepared, yeah. or there is a bit of a longer period, in which case applaud the industry association because they've managed to yeah. negotiate a longer period than I think they would otherwise have received. So if that's the case, then fair play, fair yeah. play to them. Um, but even if there is a long transition period, don't be fooled by it, right? So imagine, I imagine the regulator says, I'm going to put you into streams and I'm going to give you six months and I'm going to give you 12 months and I'm going to give you 18 months to get your resources in place, right? You talk to any organization and say, what are your values? What, what is it that makes your business good? It's the people. People, yeah. Yeah, people. Oh, it's all about people. If you're in that group and you've got 18 months to get your substance in place to hire, yeah. Who do you think is left for you to hire after the group one has gone in six months and group two has gone in 12 months? Who's left is the people that nobody else wanted or else you're getting your checkbook and out. if I was to speak to the um, employees or the potential candidates in month 12 to 18, I'd be telling them to negotiate an even better price packet. Absolutely, I would. So 
because they're going to be in a position of leverage. So it's me, a employees, a candidate market, not necessarily a hiring market. No, that's fair play yeah. as well. I, I think, you know, we chatted about a little bit earlier when it comes to things like change and using uh, reg tech solutions and that gun to the head is a very uh, effective way to, to uh, get action. This is one where you don't want to be last to move because you're going to find that there's nothing left for you and you've got no option but to maybe, you know, use a third-party manco where, where that wouldn't have been your preferred solution. Now, there's nothing agree, wrong with them. Agree. But, you know, if you prefer a different solution, you can Decisions wait. made from a state of emotion are rarely good for business. And whilst pain is a really interesting motivator to be acting from a place of gun to head, I have to do this because the CBI or some industry body has told me I have to do this. Rarely will you make um, strategic, sustainable, profitable decisions for your business inside that mindset. No, you will make a decision that gets you through Takes this period of pain. Yeah. Uh, it'll probably cost you. Of course it will cost you. And it is less likely you'll be able to design something that actually yeah. will turn a profit for you and not be a cost. True. Yeah, true. So there's this... Um, you know, operating from a place of best practice and wanting to be better and evolve and grow, which is, you know, the natural form of most living organisms is to move towards ever increasing states of betterness. But if you're a firm who wants to operate in a good enough is good enough, well, you, will pay the, you can do it and yeah. you're going to enjoy or live with the consequences. That's how it works. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, I think we've covered everything on my agenda for this week. That's a lot going on. We did have a lot going on. Tons so of content. You had Martina Kelly on the podcast. You had the Dear CEO letter for CP86, the mock version. Let me say it again. Mock. The mock letter. Yeah. Um, you're doing a lot with Sam Glenn over at Code Emotion on cyber, cyber. for regulated firms. Uh, you've got two episodes coming out this, this week or next week. I think there's two out last week and we're recording another two next week. Monday, which actually. Will come out, yeah, come out next week. Wow. Um, so Your wire card and your individual um, sanctions? WWRD out yeah. now, yeah. I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Right tech for six-year-olds. Right tech for six-year-olds. God, you've been busy. You've been busy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Is Daniel going to come back and do any more promotions? And how know. did He's how did Nessie ready. feel about that? How did your wife feel about that? Well. <laughs> does she know? <laughs> she does know. She hasn't seen it. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, no, she does know. She, she's she's cool with it. Daniel, Daniel, though, he's going to be a bit of a diva. He's a bit of a strong star. You know, he, he doesn't want any blue M&Ms in the, in the pack. Uh, and he wants his water sparkling from... God yeah, love him. You know. so he he's, is. He's proper cute. I think we're going to have to work him into, like, some of the... Uh, fillers or something like I, that. I, I don't know what it is, but I watched that video that you put out on LinkedIn where he does this little cheeky like wiggle with his eyes and face at the end and then he's like, mm, mm, like I told you. Yeah, yeah, he's a natural. I'm gonna watch that. So Daniel, yeah, I think you'll probably have to make a guest appearance. He's certainly the star of the show. Um, microphone and all? Homemade microphone. Yeah, <laughs> I love that you felt the need to point that out. <laughs> Yes, it's a whole baby. <laughs> uh, so we, I think we will have Daniel back. We're, we're going to uh, record more episodes of Right Tech for Six-Year-Olds next week. Yeah. Uh, again, we've got Joanne in, which is terrific. 
uh, more WWRD. Uh, we've had. You got Brian Walsh from Raytech coming in in the week after. Yep. And um, I think there is a couple of other things, but maybe we'll pick those up on the next podcast. So, how are you feeling in the hot seat, Shannon? As we wrap up episode, your your first hosting episode. Uh, I love it. I think uh, I'm wondering how you get everything in in a week. Um, but no, it's it's nice to be on this side of the table. This is. Let's be honest. I'm quite comfortable on this side uh, of the table. I can see that. <laughs> All right, Danny. Uh, thank you. I hope you're uh, continuing the bar, uh, birthday celebrations into the weekend. They should be ex- uh, experienced over the seven days of the birthday week. I'm lucky if I get a 20 minutes <laughs> sit down on the day. No, birthday is long gone. Uh, we'll do this again same time next week. Thanks very much. Thanks, Shannon. You've been listening to the Aquas Podcast. For information about our training and advisory programs or our academy, visit aquas.ie. For more resources on regs, funds, and governance, check out our YouTube channel, Daniel Lawler, R-U-R-Q.